daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. All right, Gamecock fans, happy Wednesday to you all out there. Uh, this is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, uh, continuing to bring you the latest every day. I'm J.C. Sherbert uh, on the crazy situation that is college football. At some point, I'm going to get sick of talking about this. <laughs> Wanna would much rather be talking about depth charts, who's gonna start a tackle. Uh that's normally what we'd be talking about this year, who's kind of made some noise, what freshmen are gonna play, all that. But we're still five days away from the scheduled start uh of practice. And um with everything delayed, I think all eyes have been on, you know, just the 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 idea of well, will this season get canceled or i.e. move to the spring. Um, and, uh, yesterday, of course, the PAC 12 and the big 10 decided, Hey, we're going to just, uh, not really care about what our players say. Um, we're not going to care about what our coaches are saying. Uh, we're not going to care about what some medical experts are saying. We're going to get our own set of facts, uh, from our own set of medical experts and use those as a reason to cancel the season. And I say that in that way, just because, you know, there are different medical teams with different conferences saying different things. Uh, and just like with everything in this virus, you, you don't know, you know, somebody's being political, if that's just their opinion, if it's what's it based on. Um, and, and I think that's to be expected with a new virus. I also think uh, another thing that, that you have to think about uh, is – uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of just, you know, canceling things that are important to society or shutting things down based on unknown. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, taking precautions are fine based on unknowns. Wearing masks are fine based on unknowns. Practicing social distancing is fine based on the unknowns. Completely shutting things down, locking things down. You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, if you're going to have school, if you want to socially distance it or do it online, that's fine. Uh, I think adjustments are fine. I think, you know, shutting down the sport uh, or anything that matters is a little ridiculous. And, you know, I, I do I do I think that, you know, college football should, should just be played as normal with 80,000 in the stands and Maybe they wear a mask or whatever. No, I, I certainly don't think that. I think that the sport, just like everything else, because of the unknowns and the pandemic, you know, needed to adjust. And, and you know, I think with, with no fans or limited fans, and we'll get to that, Ray Tanner yesterday was uh, had an interview and was talking about the possibility of fans at Williams-Price this fall. Um, you know, we were going to go with no fans, testing protocols, all that. Uh, and it still wasn't enough, and it seems like they shut it down based on a lot of unknowns. So I'll get to the first point. Um, the heart condition that we were talking about, uh, they've, they've kind of attached this to uh, myocarditis. I don't know how to pronounce it. I wish I did. I, I should have. Mitocarditis. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Nobody should be playing with that heart issue. That, that That's number one. You know, that's not, uh, you, you know, the last thing you want to do is for a player to be out there with any kind of heart condition at all. 
you know, football is played by bigger folks, smaller folks, whatever. It's a high intensity sport. Uh, no way, no way should you be playing with, with anything like that. But my point is, is that schools are equipped to handle this. They do heart screenings all the time. This is one thing that the, the medical staffs are very in tune to. Um, and so if you've test positive for COVID-19, and even if you're asymptomatic, I, I think it's perfectly, perfectly reasonable to send you through a series of heart tests, um, you know, to get that done. And, and if, if you don't pass it or if there's something wrong, shut it down. I mean, nobody's, nobody's wanting guys to just play if they're COVID positive or if they have, you know, issues, you know, I, I don't know where the, the idea is that people are just going to run guys out there anyway. No, I mean, you know, you do that. You deserve all the liability and lawsuits and people getting fired that, you know, you possibly could do, but, but the, the idea that, you know, they're just helpless against this, you know, uh, side effect, which is something that's been known that's treatable. That's all that is, uh, I think, I don't know if that's a reason to shut it down. Uh, the big 12, uh, yesterday led by Texas and Oklahoma. And I'm told by a lot of different sources, Texas is playing or Texas wants to play and they kind of run the conference yesterday said, we're carrying on, uh, with our season, their schedule is probably going to be released today. Um, but in, in their release, they did say, Hey, look, we're going to do some enhanced heart screenings and things of that nature for our players. Uh, and we feel comfortable. We were ready to go. You know, to me, that was the answer, you know, um, the, the, the big 10 and pac 12, why, why is it an unknown when it's something that's known and when heart screening should be, uh, a routine part of any college football program? I mean, you know, you, you just, uh, you know, you, you, athletes have died with undiagnosed heart issues before. Um, so I think you should screen that before anything. And honestly, there've been guys that have had to, you know, opt out of the sport because of it, go on medical because of it. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, that, that's kind of a common part of the game, but I don't know if some people understand that or not. Report by Michael Spath, who's uh, Wolverine's Digest. It's a Michigan site. He's also got a radio show up in Ann Arbor. Uh, I've known him for years uh, on Twitter. And he talked to a source at Michigan, and he said, you know, and this was completely different. This floored me. Um, you know, there's not uniform testing at all the schools. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I thought that was the idea of going conference only and all that. Uh, and then the quote from the source uh, that Spath reported about was that six or seven schools could have played, but then some of the schools that, you know, couldn't do it wanted to play. And so we just shut it all down. So if I'm Ohio State and I'm sitting there and I had a national championship kind of in my purview this year, loaded team coming back. And I'm told that they shut the conference, shut it down because Rutgers is having a problem with their testing. Cause they, you know, a bunch of their kids went to a house party and now they have a bunch of positives and it's running rampant. Um, I think I'm ticked. I think I'm ticked. And, and I don't think that's fair of any conference to do. It's not, you know, if, if some schools can't get their act together, they need to individually cancel their seasons. You know, and I'll say that with the SEC. I'll say that with South Carolina. If South Carolina can't, you know, do the testing protocols and take care of its players, they don't need to play. Nobody does. You know, again, 
nobody's just saying throw caution to the wind and go out there and rock and roll like like nothing's wrong and ignore it. You know, I I I, I was stunned to read that. You know, the Pac-12, everything you hear from them is this, this there's too many unknowns. And I also saw this uh, talking point, and I call it a talking point because, uh, again, with everything with this virus, it's, it's you know, there's different, different opinions, uh, you know, where they kind of towed the line about, um, you know, um, about the, the, the lack of t- testing, lack of lack of testing across the states. And they also kind of mentioned that, you know, it won't be such a burden on societal testing, uh, you know, maybe in the spring. Maybe they'll have a quicker test. Maybe they won't be. And I, th- I thought it was very unfortunate that, you know, the NCAA's uh, medical person who, you know, you can continue to hear some things about, you know, that group that kind of influenced this. Well, it's not fair for athletes to be tested all these times. Uh, when some of the general population can't get tests. Um, I, I just don't think that's happening. You know, th- that's kind of where is that documented that, you know, nobody can get a test, all that. You know, you, you see anecdotal stories here and there, horror stories of people not being able to get a test. You know, that's fine. Um, uh, I hear horror stories about people going to Walmart. That doesn't mean everybody that goes to Walmart has a problem. You know, a lot of these, I think, are customer service issues or incompetence at hospitals. Um, and look, I'm, you know, and again, I'm not trying to get political here. I do think that the testing in the country nationally in the spring was slow to roll out and kind of problematic. But, you know, I, I tend to think now it's 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 under control and getting better. Um. And I don't, I don't know that there are a bunch of people out there that are going to scream, you know, that are begging for tests. Uh, and that would be the only reason I would even say this. I mean, you can't sit there and go, you know, because of your worldview or your view of testing that, you know, well, you know, athletes shouldn't get tested all this often because we need to test every single person in the country, you know, and there, ergo, cancel football. Yeah, I don't understand that. And, and and the other part of it is, I, I thought this was about the health of the student and safety of the student athlete. So if, if you're taking testing away from them, you know, how is this about making them safer and healthier if testing is such the answer? So I didn't understand that either. And again, I'm not taking a position here one way or the other. These are very smart people, people smarter than I am, I think. Um it's just it's just kind of a head scratcher when you kind of look at some of the reasons and usually guys when when things don't add up when there's not just a common sense hey you know here's why it is this is the reason here's why we hope it's going to get better you know these are tangible there's all kinds of evidence about this you know when things don't add up there's always a a driving force that, that we aren't told about and i'm not trying to get conspiratorial um, but there's always something else. And I'm not saying it's political. I'm just saying there's something else here. Is it is it political? Is it because the players in those leagues kind of made a, a feigned an attempt to unionize? Um, you know, is it because the presidents are scared uh, about, you know, them unionizing and demanding revenue? I don't know. I don't know. But usually when you think about that and, and you, you think about things that, 
don't really add up from a common sense standpoint that aren't universally accepted. There, there are ulterior motives. Um, and so I don't know what that would be, but, but there are ulterior motives. And, and it's, it's um, uh, one of the statements from the Big Ten says there's, there's over, or maybe it was the Pac-12, there's overwhelming evidence that there are too many unknowns. So, yeah. Well, again, unknowns, you know, overwhelming evidence there are too many. I mean, that that's just very vague to me and doesn't seem like a reason, you know, to uh, – because you're dealing in hypotheticals. And, and when you kind of look at uh, the myocarditis – uh, as a symptom, certainly nobody needs to be playing or, or as a, as a, you know, I guess, uh, a result of having COVID or whatever, certainly nobody needs to be playing. It's a serious issue, but it's also something that unlike COVID-19, we know about, you know, it, it's, it's something that happens when people get viruses, you can get it from having the common cold. It's a bad deal. You need to get it treated, but you know, there's no greater risk to players, you know, and, and I'm not one of these, it's only the flu people when it talks about COVID, when you talk about COVID, but th- there's no greater percentage of guys that are going to have this condition than they would if they got another virus and we don't shut it down for another virus. You know, uh, I don't know. If I'm the University of Nebraska right now, I've said this for a while, I would I would pretty much question my existence in the Big Ten and Big, big 12 to take me back. I don't think that'll happen this year. Uh, but if I'm Nebraska, I'm, I'm calling up my buddies in Conference USA. I'm calling up BYU. I'm playing Army. Um, and then next year, I'm joining the Big 12. And if I have the money to do it, to take the hit, I'm leaving. Um, I, I just uh, – I, I just uh, – I, I just think that, you know, they, they weren't – they they joined that league because the Big 12 was kind of falling apart, very Texas-Oklahoma oriented. Uh, there was that – the issues with the Big 12 were 100% about the Longhorn Network. That league has survived. Nebraska's a big deal in that part of the – in that league. Um, you know, who, who do they really have in coming, you know? I know they like playing Iowa, <laughs> but that's – that's kind of about it. You know, you're just kind of like, wow, you know, Cornhuskers. But um, they have great fans. They wanted to play. Um, the Big Ten, I think, has eroded that product over the years because uh, there's just not – it's just kind of an outpost. It's like West Virginia and the Big 12 or, you know, Arkansas at some point in the SEC. Um, I think in the, if you send them back to the, to the Big 12 – uh, you've got that rivalry with Oklahoma that's big. You know, they're right there next to Kansas, Kansas State. You know, you're playing the Texas schools. You're playing Iowa State. You know, I, I to me, Nebraska, you know, if, if that's if I'm them, that's what I'm doing. And if I'm the Big 12, I'm taking them back. I mean, they have – you know, you're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to maybe go to – you can't play all, all nine – games in you know you can't play all of the teams in your conference anymore but you know nebraska football would be a, a good addition uh to that league maybe you go find somebody else but i if i'm the huskers i'm like you know i'm out of here because uh, i just i i think 
you know, beyond the fact the season got the rug got pulled out from underneath them with the season, I, I, I just don't think they were ever a fit in the Big Ten. And I think things are kind of <laughs> brewing behind the scenes as it is. And, and I think Ohio State would have been gone too um, in terms of playing anyway had the league allowed it. I don't think Ohio State was ready to shut it down either. And based on what you hear out of Michigan, that they weren't pro, they weren't ready either. So I, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, uh, yeah, with, with Nebraska, and I, I think that's actually, you know, what they should do. Now, will they? I don't know. There's a lot of money at stake, a lot of lawyering. Not a lawyer either, so we'll see what happens. Ray Tanner. So yesterday Tanner goes on the air, and um, – He's talking about uh, a lot of different topics. Uh, the news broke of the Big Ten canceling their season while he was doing the interview with 107.5 The Game. And, um, you know, he didn't seem too took all off guard by it. And he said that's not going to affect the SEC. And I think Sankey and the rest of them kind of fell in the line. Uh, but one interesting thing he did say that affects some, some of you folks out there is that uh, attendance at Williams-Brice, the model that he's kind of looking at, 20,000 in the stands. I, uh, you know, looking at it, uh, so so wrapping your head around what 20,000 looks like, I would imagine, and I don't have these exact numbers, it's probably a lot like state championship high school football games. Um, we've seen them held at Williams-Brice over the years where the lower deck's pretty full, Nobody in the upper deck. Um, I don't know how they'll spread everybody out. Um, I'm assuming, you know, there may be some in the upper deck. I don't know. But I will say this. I, I, I think that when you sort of have been in those environments, high school games, and you kind of think about it, that uh, there's a, there could be a home field advantage still, even with 20,000. It's not like 80, not going to be like 80 or 100, but it can, I think it can get loud, you know. It can affect the opposing quarterback and, and all that, you know, provided the fans that show up cheer or whatever. So I thought that was interesting. I, I have no idea how they're going to determine who gets in, who doesn't get in, whatever. But uh, that's kind of where we're heading uh, with regards to attendance at Williams-Brice. And, and I'll say this, too, about that subject. Numbers improve with COVID, you know, the spread. I don't want to say flatten the curve because obviously that wasn't ever the goal of some of these public health people to flatten the curve because it was flattened. And then we're right back with lockdowns and everything else. I think what people need to start saying is, you know, vaccine cure, whatever, eradicate the virus. Um, you never know, you know, maybe it dies out or something and then they let more people in. Um, you know, people are asking me, too, on the BigSpur.com and elsewhere, wh what about a national championship? If it's just the Big 12 ACC, SEC, I don't know what the college football playoff is going to do. Obviously, you have three-fifths of the teams that are involved with the Power Five playing the, uh, the other group of five conferences, you know, have – I think the Sun Belt's still playing and the, the American is still playing. Um, they have a seat at the table, too. You know, my guess is that they go on and maybe it's in the form of a playoff, maybe it's not, and then they play that, play it out with the remaining teams. 
And then on the slim chance, the Big Ten and Pac-12 get their spring season rolling. Um, maybe they just go play in the Rose Bowl and we have split national championship. If, you know, one of the – I don't know. I don't know how you'd do it because I, I would say if one of those teams has less than one loss or whatever, but, you know, when it's a different time of the year and all that, I don't, I don't know how you do it. So maybe, it may be like the old days where – you know, the Rose Bowl uh, ends up being one national champion. And then, you know, you have the one from the, the regular season with everybody else. And then we all get back on the same page in 2021, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, one of the toughest pieces of the Pac-12 canceling yesterday was Jake Bentley, former Gamecock quarterback, uh, basically has his senior year ripped away from him again. Uh, that's unfortunate. I know Jake has worked very hard uh, out there at Utah to get healthy uh, and to get ready to go. And uh, he was looking good, you know, projected to really have a good year. And uh, now that got ripped out from under, people are like, can he transfer back? I I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to transfer realistically this late in the game back to a school that's playing. Um, and especially at quarterback when you got to learn everything. But, I mean, I can't rule it out. I, I don't know. I don't think there's any way he's going to transfer back to South Carolina. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if that happened just because, you know, I, I think he needed a fresh start, um, needed to go kind of off someplace else. And Utah's been good for him. So I uh, I would be surprised, you know, if, if he came back to South Carolina. Shocked, really. Um, but somewhere else, who knows? It's still unfortunate. It's unfortunate for all the players. I mean, uh, you know, especially the ones that definitely wanted to play. I think there was this, you know, because of the one kid at Berkeley, you know, that wanted to organize and, you know, demand. I mean, and, and whoever encouraged them to make ridiculous demands about half the revenue or whatever. Um, and, and I thought that was stupid. And I thought that kid probably should have known better. Um, you know, somebody probably should have told him, Hey, this, you're kind of barking up the wrong tree at a bad time. Um, and, uh, you know, because of those ridiculous demands, you know, I, if that had anything to do with the PAC 12 shutting it down, you know, to me, that's sad. Um, if it had anything to do with the, with the big 10, with the big 10 demands had anything to do with that being shut down. Uh, that's even more ridiculous because all they were asking for was, you know, health care and, and medical care uh, in season and protocols with COVID. <laughs> they didn't ask for money. And so, uh, you know, that's even more ridiculous if that had anything to do with them shutting it down. Um, you know, and then, of course, the I, I don't know. I, I think that sometimes you got to pick your battles. Uh, and if you wanted to play, and I, I don't know that this was the right time to you know, try to unionize and ask for half the revenue. Um, do I think that's a discussion? I don't think half the half the revenue is ever a discussion. Do I think we need to have a discussion about, you know, compensating these guys better? Yes. I mean, I think it's inexcusable if you don't provide great health care for your players. I mean, I don't know why you're playing ball. Uh, you don't really need to be playing football if, if you don't do that. Um you know, so a lot of these things were already done. So, you know, we'll see kind of uh, 
we'll see what kind of what happens there. But, you know, so that's the latest on all that. You know, you got the, the crowds at williams Bryce. Looks like there will be some crowds. Um, Big 12 kind of stepped in and, and said, we're still playing ACC yesterday. And I'll tell you, say what you want about that conference. You know, that they, they seem to be full speed ahead. And their doctor that they've interviewed about it said, you know, he's from Duke. Last time I checked, Duke was a pretty good medical school. And he said, you know, full speed ahead. And they're rocking and rolling in that league. Um, and I think it's a big deal for them because you know, they get Notre Dame this year. And so there's going to be a lot more attention on ACC football. Um, and so I think it's kind of a no-brainer for them to move in that direction, you know, as long as they can. Uh, and then, of course, the SEC. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I I tend to agree that, you know, while I don't think it's wise to bring all the students back and, and you know, maybe they're, they're going to have a lot of online classes and, and mitigate it or whatever. Um, I just, you know, 30,000 kids. I've, I've been through all that before. Um, I do think well, as far as football guys go, you know, it's safer for them to kind of be in the football bubble, working out, practicing, uh, playing games in season than it would be to a send them home and have them hang out at the house and in the neighborhood or whatever, or B keep them on campus and throw them within the student body. Cause I mean, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a football player. I'm not playing games. I'm not in season. It's going to be hard for me not to go to parties. It's going to be hard for me not to socialize. It's going to be hard for me to, to stay kind of in that bubble. I mean, that's unrealistic. I think, you know, the fun and the reward of working so hard in football is game day. Everybody knows that because it's a game that you practice an awful lot, but you don't really play an awful lot. Uh, and, and so I continue to believe that the safer option, uh, the safest option, and I agree with Nick Saban, have these guys here, you know, uh, playing football, playing in the games, all that, you know. And I, I read something asinine by Bill Connolly, who, who really should just stick to his little numbers. That's really, you know, honest to God, you know, I, I think his analytics and stuff are very fascinating. I think his opinions sometimes leave a lot to be desired. Um, and, look, he can write anything he wants. It's America. But he's like, it seems to be that canceling is a good thing if one team carries the virus from one state to another. And I'm, and I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> look, that, that, the virus is in every state, okay? And that's the whole reason you test. You know, I mean, the virus is going to be carried from state to state anyway because there's, you know, we haven't shut down the state borders, you know? Um, chances of, of containing it by state, you know, are a little bit, it's a little bit absurd in most states that are in the same area, i.e. conferences and stuff, um, have similar numbers. I mean, you know, you could still fly on a plane from New York to, to Miami and, and they have less protocols there in place than you would if you're going to go play college football. So I thought that was kind of asinine, and some of these people are just way out there with it. And, um, you know, so, so I don't know that that's the reason to not play in games either. And I, I think that's it. And I just don't know, you know, especially, you know, you look at the Big Ten, Pac-12, 
they're going to continue to train and, and set up a 20 hour a week deal and practice or whatever. And, you know, so, so what's the difference, you know, in, in playing in games, you know, I mean, it, you know, and, and again, I think that the, the thought that with all the testing that you do, um, with all the protocols you follow, you know, you, you're, it's so unlikely you know, somebody's going to come and spread it on the field, you know, and I just, I, I, you know, and I think that's why you test and you, you do all that. And if it does happen, whoever's responsible for it, whoever had the laps in testing, you know, probably should shut down football for the rest of the year. All right. That, that's the bottom line. You know, there's a flip side of this where everybody's got to be responsible, you know, so we'll see what happens. We'll see kind of what happens there. Um, yeah, as far as the Gamecocks go, uh, recruiting, uh, I think I told you yesterday, Malachi Bennett, they dropped him. That was news over the weekend. Um, questions about his competitiveness, you know, questions about, you know, sort of, you know, did he really want to be playing at a high level? Um, talked to a source with Ole Miss the other day. They kind of dropped him for similar reasons. They had some in-state guys they liked better. Uh, for more competitive. And, and I hate that. Um, but that's part of the evaluation process. I mean, we can all look at the, all the film we want and uh, have different opinions on that film all we want. And, and I'm going to tell you that, you know, the opinion I got from watching his film and the opinion that the coaching staff had from evaluating it was, you know, this guy could end up being pretty good. He's Earl Bennett's nephew, et cetera. Um, but you got to dig deeper sometimes when you're splitting hairs and, you know, the Gamecocks, uh, decided to move on. I mean, I, I think had Malachi Bennett jumped in the boat side unseen a couple of weeks ago when it like he was going to go to Ole Miss. I, I think that, uh, I, I think that he would have been a Gamecock, no question, but you start talking to him more, you dive in a little more space gets tight and you learn things about folks and, you know, when you're – I wouldn't want to be recruiting guys right now <laughs> because you're basically learning things off Zoom, film, intuition, that type of thing. Um, but but I think their reasons for dropping them were pretty legit. They, they like some other guys out there. Um, probably going to take two, maybe one more receiver if they want to come, depending on who it is. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens there. But, you know, Malachi Bennett certainly – uh, at UAB, I think he'll be a pretty good player. You know, maybe that's the level he needs to go uh, and sort of shine on. Uh, so we'll see kind of how all that goes. Of course, the, the tight end duo, um, Michael Trigg and uh, Bryson Nesbitt, uh, the Gamecocks are looking good for those guys. Uh, I have confirmed that they will take both if both want to come. Yeah, there's some questions of Nesbitt going maybe somewhere else or something. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, why? I mean, I, that, that would be my question, and you know, and, and all that if he does. Um, you know, I, I don't know that anybody is like, no matter who their dad is, is supposed to go to a certain school. Um, but we'll see. And then Michael Trick, I think, would be – you know, sort of a, a big-time pickup, you know, out of the Tampa area. He's a guy a lot of schools wanted. LSU really wants him. We saw how LSU used the tight end last year, so that would be um, 
that'd be something else. Uh, I think if they could get him, in fact, you know, Nesbitt's kind of a different type of tight end. He's a big six, six guy. Uh, and then Trigg is kind of your, you know, guy you can split out an ultra athletic guy, probably like Rory Anderson 2.0. I'd say probably a better athlete on the top end coming out. Although Rory was a great athlete Busta. Um, you know, so we'll see kind of what happens with that. Basketball started practicing. Frank Martin's happy to be back on the court, if you saw that on social media. I think the guys basketball – and, you know, this basketball will be impacted as well. Uh, it's a contact sport. I mean, you know, you can't have COVID and go play basketball, in my opinion. Uh, there's talk about a college basketball bubble – I don't know. Um, could I see something like that happen? And maybe since we have an extended Christmas break this year, maybe you have 32 teams go and bubble up in Nashville or something and play around Robin for the non-conference and then come back and do conference only. I don't know. Um, you know, the, uh, the academics that run college sports don't believe in bubbles apparently, although, you know, it's all about health and safety. So <laughs> whatever. Um, so we'll see. There's some rumors about that. I think that'd be logistically hard, hard to pull off, though not as hard as doing a bubble for football would be because you're only talking about, you know, 13 players, 13 to 15 players, and then, you know, it's a, a traveling party of 20 versus 125. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I, I think – I think provided the season plays out, I think his team obviously has a chance to be really good. You know, last year was a, sort of a disappointment when the Gamecocks lost those early tough games to teams they shouldn't have. Uh, that hurt them. They were behind the eight ball. And then, you know, that loss to Vanderbilt in the season finale to me was more concerning than, you know, losing to Stetson at home, you know, where you can rally from it. I mean, the season's on the line. You're playing the worst team in the league and you lose – that's tough. You know, that's tough. But everybody's back except Mike Kotsar. Uh I think they'll be fine in the post. Uh, I hear concerns about from fans about the post. Um, but there were concerns from fans about the post last year uh, when Silva had left and the Gamecocks were just fine. Um, you got a lot of guys that are very athletic. Jalen McCrary. Um, and then you also got Wildens Levesque, uh, Wildens Levesque, sorry, and um, Alonzo Frank back. Uh, you got some guys coming in. Uh, and then you can go small with Manaya at the four or underneath, or Keyshawn Bryant played, you know, post last year late and played his best basketball down the stretch. Um, you have some options and versatility. Uh, excited to see what Seventh Woods can do in the guard rotation. And then, you know, there aren't many better uh, guard combos in the SEC coming back than A.J. Lawson and Jermaine Cousinard. So this team has a chance. I mean, this team has a chance to be good. Of course, I saw the power ratings the other day, and it's like Gamecocks were ninth, which is higher than they normally put them. They normally put them uh, a bit lower. I'll say this, the SEC, you know, with a lot of players decided to come back and not go pro, um, the SEC is going to be very difficult this year. Um, Gamecocks finished 10-8 and eight in the league last year. They can do that again. 
not screw up in the non-conference, I, I tend to believe they will be going dancing uh, yet again and, and all that. Maybe they do a little better. Maybe they do a little better. I think, uh, I think the Gamecocks, you know, really have turned the corner uh, as a program in terms of winning in the conference. And for almost 30 years, you know, they've been in this league, which is not known as a great basketball league. It's good. It's not great. It's not the ACC. And they just haven't been able to figure it out. Well, for the last five years, they have. Um, and, you know, the, the, the detriment has been in the non-conference, which is a flip. I remember Dave Odom used to get off to great starts in the non-conference. And then he'd get to the conference and hang the 5-11 and 11 on the board. It's NIT City. And then all of a sudden they go to the NIT and breeze through it. So not, <laughs> coaching in the SEC was not his strong suit, though he could coach against other teams. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Uh, stay tuned to the BigSpur.com for any breaking news. Um, as far as college football goes, uh, the Big 12 commissioner is supposed to speak uh, at noon today. Uh, I've got my appearance on JB and Goldwater uh, coming up at uh, noon 30, noon 30, 12:30. Uh, we usually talk for about 30, 45 minutes, so check that out. Should have a new JC and Morgan pod. Uh, in the near future as well. Go to the iTunes store, rate this thing five stars. Appreciate you listening. J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecocks podcast.